Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. See on the screen there the uh, kind of a brief outline of uh, where we're going to be looking today. First Corinthians chapter one verses ten through seventeen. I want to clear up uh, something I didn't quite finish last week quickly, but letter to the assembly in Corinth. Um, the last thing I wanted to. to to deal with a little bit is who is the assembly? What is the assembly? Um, and I think I can do it briefly. Um, well, we know the assembly are the called out ones. We, we studied that, that uh, God's calling through the gospel in, in Romans 1.16 and in John chapter 6. Um, we come freely because of the calling and all, is through the will of God. This is God's will for man, that, it, that they respond to the calling. Not that they're captured or kidnapped by the calling, but respond. And we do that through Jesus Christ and obedience to the gospel, things of that sort. <clears throat> in, uh, in John, the Gospel of John, I want to read a, a, just a few verses here. First chapter. Got a wonderful explanation of it here. And it's speaking, of course, about Jesus, and it gets into the, the, to the church and, and salvation. Um, there was the true light, even the light which lighteth every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world knew him not. This is speaking of Jesus. He came into his own, and they that were his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to them that believed on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And on it goes. You see, that's the assembly. God has placed you in his assembly in the body of Christ through your actions, of course, but through his calling. Um, so the process is not, is not orchestrated by man himself. If it was, it would have lots of errors in it. And, and there's no errors in this this practice is absolutely divine in its origin. Now, 
why do we have so many designations then for things called Christian? Designations, I mean, um, what we call denominations in Latin is called denomen, and it means to be named. But in this case, it's uh, Christendom, if you will. I won't say uh, Christianity because it's not divided, but Christendom itself is separated one group by another by some name. Um, And that's a problem. Now, all those folks with different names, they say they're Christians or something of that sort. But is Christ divided? You see, the Apostle Paul is making it very clear in, in, in this letter. Christ is not divided in any way. And men do not divide Christ. They only do so in their own element that causes much confusion. So what's the pitfalls of names on church buildings that are not understood? Well, there's many of them. Uh, And they're all very negative. So we know of lots of names within the church that that we find people that are naming Christ and we have them uh, a good deal. I'm just represented in Coolidge. But there are literally hundreds of different denominations. And a lot of them have, some of them even have the same name, but they're not the same, you know, that sort of thing. Each group should be able to explain what they mean by the name on their building. And they, and they, they really can't. Or maybe sometimes they won't. I've asked. And many times I get a very, uh, very cold shoulder. Because they don't want to talk about that. You see? Why have they named themselves something that's now on the front of their building and do they have an explanation for it? Uh, David made a comment today in our class that if we're Christians, if we're associated with Christ, if we're in Christ, then our group should represent the fact that we are in Christ. It's simple. So in the Bible we have um, a phrase concerning the Church of Christ, but it's not really a name on a building. It's talking about the churches in general. It says the churches of Christ salute you. The churches of Christ, the bodies of Christ in the different locations in that day. That's in Acts. We have the Church of the Nazarene. We have the Christian Church. means those belonging to Christ, but not understood perfectly. I will will, uh, give you that. The assemblies of God, that's what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 that we read. The assemblies in God in Corinth. Okay. We have the Roman Catholic Church, which Catholic means universal. So what's the name mean? Universal Rome? Rome universally? I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, does it? No. Uh, we have the Lutheran Church. One thing I know about the Lutheran Church is that Martin Luther himself, for years, proclaimed from the pulpit, when I am gone, do not name this, this movement after me. That's just what they did. And now, what do we have? Unhappy Lutherans. Okay. Uh, did he die that he said that, by the way? But it's in his writings. 
The Baptist church, I don't know what that means. That's baptism. We know what that is. But why would you name the church out of one function that Christians do? Or are they referring to John the Baptist? Let's hope not. But we can understand it. No one else can either. Presbyterians and Episcopalians, those are, those are words that represent uh, church leadership, the overseers, bishops, and that sort of thing. The council that's within the Lord's church. Um, but you'll never get that explanation if you ask them, I know. Here's the thing. The apostles could tell you why they addressed the church in a certain way. They could tell you. My, my point is, we need to make sure that we can. We need to make very sure that we can explain who we are and what it means. <clears throat> so, you know, they didn't have the postal service in, or how would that letter came to the church in Corinth? Would it have been addressed the church in Corinth or or uh, the Church of Christ in Corinth, uh, you know, th thinking about it, it, it was delivered by a messenger. He knew where to go. Uh, but you see, it's more than just putting a name up. There has to be a lot behind it. And it better, it better show that it's, it's Christ that we're talking about <clears throat> because he is the author of faith, uh, the author of our salvation, rather. So as we as we move on, hopefully that's uh, <coughs> dealt with, and it's not really one of the problems or topics here in in the book, uh, in the letter of First Corinthians. But today we begin the discussion concerning the troubles that Paul had been told about. This is where we start, verse ten. Those things reported to Paul. Those things that were happening within the assembly in Corinth. Does that mean everyone was bad? No. There were people that actually got it right in, in the assembly. They were speaking for the truth, what they should be doing. There were others with other ideas. So somehow that, that can be a healthy thing if it's operated and done properly. But yet the troubles needed to be addressed by the apostle because remember, the, the, the doctrine, the foundation for the church in Corinth came from the apostle Paul. So now they need to hear from him again, uh, restating the things that he taught before. And I think what we're starting with here today is the most egregious of the problems. I don't say that just because it's mentioned first, but I think maybe because it's first, it's something that needed to be talked about first. This isn't an oh by the way. Uh, this is a very it was a very important thing to them, and, and uh, what was happening within the congregation that needed to be addressed. So let's just look at ten through seventeen uh, as we read it, and you can. Follow me up on the board there, um, or in your Bibles. I'm looking at Young's Literal Translation. <clears throat> Verse 10 says, And I call upon you, brethren, 
through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the same thing you may all say, that there may not be divisions among you, and you may be perfected in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it was signified to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Choil, that contentions are among you. And I say this, that each one of you saith, I indeed am of Paul, and I of, uh, I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Hath Christ, Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or to the name of Paul were you baptized? I give thanks to God that no one of you did I baptize except Crispus and Gaius, that no one may say to say that to my own name I did baptize. And I did baptize also Stephanus, the Stephanus household. Further, I have not known if I did baptize any other. And I'll stop there and read verse 17 a little later. So be of the same mind. It really takes in a whole lot of things. Uh, that is the, just the relationship of the assembly. Be of the same mind. But there's a reason for it, of course. Um, as it said in verse 10 and 11, um, that, that he calls upon them. Um, to have no divisions among you concerning things pertaining to the faith. And I think that's an implication that we need to make sure that we understand. Um, speaking of the things of faith, the faith, the, the, the life, if you will, uh, of the Christian, uh, let's face it, uh, Someone who's very bold and loud might demand that everybody wear the same color gray when they come to the assembly. Those are not the divisions that he's talking about. Now, it touches on one a problem, but that's not, that's not what we're speaking about. We're talking about things pertaining to the faith in Christ. I call upon you, Paul. In other words, he urges them, and all different Bibles read differently here, but the concept of the word uh, call here in this, this particular point is the urging of, beseeching, appeal to the assembly in Corinth, to all the saints in Corinth. And then, and this is important because I always want to make a point of the apostolic authority and why he uses it. Through the name, in the authority of Christ, the Lord. You see, the appeal is made, but the qualifier is, this is the Lord's will. Now you see, now this is a command. This is where, when you're hearing this letter being read, let's say, in the assembly possibly, this isn't where you decide to tune out. You don't tune out here. Because this is what's important. It's coming right now, you see. This is now a command from heaven. 
something is, is, needs to be taken care of because Paul is qualifying it. If he needed to go any further than the fact that he's an apostle called by uh, the Lord and, and, uh, and called by the Father in heaven, he's doing so now by the authority of Christ uh, for the assembly. And remember, as I think I said last week, Paul doesn't say things and do things to cause, to tear things down. He does it always to build things up. This is going to be uh, a, uh, an improvement, never a disintegration. Paul doesn't say in here, he doesn't give a list of names of the, of the good folks and tell them to simply pack your bag and get out of there and don't ever come back because these people are messed up. That's what we do here nowadays, though. That's just what we do. Here's what he does. All of you that are in Christ, he wants them to speak the same thing concerning the faith. In other words, those things to do with, with the, the, the work of the church, um, the word of God, what the apostle taught, speak the same things. Don't have divisions amongst, among, among the group about the things that we, they clearly knew. Now, there, there were gifts in the church. So if someone, if the, if the body was in somehow um, a little bit fuzzy on something, because of God's granting uh, special gifts to people in those days, because they didn't have this word the way that we do, they would have people that could speak on behalf of heaven, if you will, and give them uh, either a, uh, an instruction, a clarification, uh, a, a prophetic utterance, or what, whatever it may be necessary for the good of the assembly. The gifts that people had for the church were to build the church up, not to build them up into a higher exalting them above other men and women. No, no, that's not what the gifts were for. Be perfected in the same mind and judgment. And I think the meaning there we need to understand is um, uh, your mind and judgment be, according to what the word means in Greek, accurate, precise, exacting, and always in accordance with the word of God. Was he asking too much? I don't think so. I don't think so. This should be the goal of every Christian. Don't we want to be just like this? We don't want to be at odds with our brethren over things that we know are true or we know needs to be done or spoken in a certain way. And I and, and then it's not only what they say, it's their judgments. So when they hear the truth, they they could decide they don't they don't really go along with that. Well, you've made a judgment error. In verse eleven, he says this to them, just so in case they they might have forgotten 
there was word that got back to him that there was a real problem here. But the report of the, uh, that the apostle received was that there was contentions, contentions amongst the assembly. You know, those contentions are real, they're a real, um, they're going to happen. And when they do, it's a real opportunity for the, the brethren in the church to do the right thing. And, and arrive at the answer that is scriptural and proper, helpful for everyone. We have an opportunity to do that. If it only comes to the point where we divide in two, three, or four different directions, then we failed in, in our efforts. This letter is to prevent that from happening in Corinth. That's not the assembly, the assembly breaking up is not a good thing. And it, it's, there isn't a positive on it. Um, I've never heard of, and by the way, a number of years ago I asked a group, what the, why did the group split a number of years ago? I was just asking. Well, you know not a single person could tell me I said, you don't remember? And then one, and a lady wrote a note to me and told me the reason. And the reason was uh, more of a, it, it was not a, uh, it was not a doctrinal issue whatsoever. It, it was just a matter of opinion uh, about the, the relationship between the congregation and the state of Arizona, you know, uh, whether they would incorporate or not. And, and that sort of a thing that became such an issue that the eldership split and they ended up in two different places. Well, I think that's tragic. Nonetheless, I think what, what, I, what I like here about this writing, I think we need to take note of it because if we're going to approach a situation like, like this, we need to do what the apostle has done here. He's dealing with issue one, one thing at a time, number one. But secondly, he states the positive first. This is what the Lord requires, that we be thus and so, speaking the same thing. Uh, and, and on in those things. That's the positive side. There's no argument there because everyone knows it's right. And then he brings in the negative. In other words, what they've actually been doing, what they've been complaining about. And what were they doing? They were showing, of course, their immaturity in the faith through their words and deeds. Um, you know, this group of, of Christians in Corinth were a very young church. If we knew just how young most of those Christians were in there, we'd be shocked. And by the way, it leaves most of us without any excuse whatsoever of ever being immature in our thinking. We don't have an excuse. Some of them did. Um, what is unity? This has always been a big issue with me because I don't like division. 
and I especially don't like the division that has occurred within the uh, the restoration movement in America, and now we have division within that. That movement should have never happened. It was exactly the opposite of what was trying to be done. Return back to the to the apostolic principles of faith and 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 the, and the word of God only, putting aside the things of men, all of that, that's all wonderful. How come we have divisions? Is it divisions in faith? Or is it divisions in opinion? Well, normally it's going to be divisions in opinion. Um, in faith now, um, we may... Uh, we may from time to time, uh, very rarely I think, but we may have a division uh, because of faith, because of the faith. We may have to separate ourselves from someone because of this. But there's so many things that need to be done beforehand before that would ever occur. In opinion, well, we all have many opinions, but it's our conduct in our opinions. Um, I don't even like. I, I don't even know if I understand the word opinion anymore, uh, because of so many opinions that I hear about. It's a whole lot more. It's deeper than that. Uh, I think opinions are tied to our past experiences. Each each one of us, and we a lot of us have different experiences. So. The apostle deals with these things, and I keep I, I keep reminding myself of the verse. That I think it's First Corinthians chapter ten, the last verse in that chapter, where Paul says, "Imitate me as I imitate the Lord." And I think that's a good good instruction. Uh, we can imitate the apostles as they imitated the Lord, and we have lots of examples that they did. Um, so we can say the same thing in our own sphere of influence as uh, head of the house or, or uh, uh, leadership in the church. Imitate me as I imitate the Lord. And now we are very, we are very uh, devoted to be imitating the Lord and imitating the apostolic doctrine as we know it is. So he deals with the contentions among them. He's starting to deal with it. Verses 12 through 16 that we read. Now, what is the the problem? You know, this is a this is a problem that still exists today, but it's a lot more subtly done. Um, many people are followers of religious figures rather than the one head. Doesn't the Bible teach that, uh, that there's one head of the church? God has made his son the head over everything to do with the body of Christ. There's one head. And I don't notice anywhere in that verse where there's any subheads, lieutenants, uh, or anything of the sort. We're just going to have to deal with the issue that the church, the Lord's church, has one head. Here's where the problem was, of course. There were people saying, 
And for whatever reason, uh, it may have been, as Paul suggests here, it may be because Paul baptized them and they feel such a strong attraction, uh, attraction and real respect for Paul than I am of Paul. I'm a Christian through the Apostle Paul. No, no, that's not, not possible. And he makes it very clear. Paul and Apollos, Cephas, who is Peter, of course, and some said, I am of Christ. Well, they were on pretty firm footing, weren't they? But they had other people saying something else. And what were they to do? Has Christ been divided? And I think it's very clear that he hasn't been. Uh, we read a scripture this morning in Bible class, John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I heard years ago, I heard the head, the head, the head man in America of a large uh, denomination was asked a question, is there any verse in the Bible you wish wasn't there? You know which one he quoted? John 14, 6. He says, that's just wrong. I thought, you know, when you go and cash your check every week, uh, do you feel bad? Because you've just denied the Christ. You've denied the head of the church. It's not bad. It's positive. It's there for us to look at, and, and as people, if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that the only way to go towards God and to be accepted by God is through his son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Oh, there's been a million different attempts at another way around. Jesus talked about it in, in the gospel about those trying to climb over the wall, go around the wall, break through the door, whatever. They're not going to get in. I think that's incredible. Now here we have the case of the name, don't we? What's in a name? Well, in this case, the name is simply a, the word which by someone, which by someone is known. You know, everyone knew who the Apostle Paul was and, and Apollos, the evangelist from um, Alexandria, Egypt. Cephas, Jewish preachers, apostles and evangelists, and then uh, the Lord himself. So the name means something here, doesn't it? It's an incredible affront to God that this would have been said. Well, we see that the men and women in Corinth were identifying themselves with men as their head, some of them were, rather than the Lord himself, who, of course, is the head of all things concerning the kingdom of heaven, and especially the assembly. The assembly there, the assembly right here. There's one head. So the division among them was that some were following men, but they were good men. See, that'll always be the first argument. 
That's always the first start. But they're good. These are good men. As I've said many times, I go around. I see the, one of the apostles' names on a building, and yet inside they're ignoring every single thing that that that, that apostle instructed and commanded from the Lord. That's that is that's incredible. You see, these men were were the messengers of the good news. Okay? And then the messenger themselves are not the good news. The good news is of salvation through Jesus Christ. The messengers were not, they, they were not the message. They were not the savior of mankind. They were not the author of the faith and salvation. Jesus wasn't embarrassed to say that he was the way. Why? Because his father had this plan in his mind before the creation of the world to to make people that were faithful to him against all odds, against all adversaries that a man or a woman could in their own free will make a decision to be loyal to God, in this case loyal to the Son of God in, in, the, in the covenant they had in salvation, that they could stand and, and take that stand and remain there regardless of the conditions around them. That was God's plan, and it's a good one, and it's still operating. So this is why uh, this, I think, is the most important problem, because, you know, if this is your problem, you're not really going to get anything accomplished from this point on, because you, you're going to be referring back to whoever it is you named here in the list. So when you've got a problem, you've got to run off and try to find Apollo somewhere, write him a letter. They're missing the point. Um, like I said, it's a very, it's an affront to even say in the same breath these men's names along with Christ when it comes to the idea of I am of Paul or I am of Apollos. That, that's just completely wrong. Well, I really believe even this is a product of them being new Christians, uh, being uh, not, not mature in their understanding. They really didn't understand the nature of what they were saying. It was not, I don't think, they just weren't concerned about the gravity of the words that they had spoken. You know what? You know what I remember? I remember the transfiguration when Jesus took the three apostles with him. What they saw with their eyes was so incredible. And that they fell on their face because of it. And then Peter said, uh, we need to build three uh, piles of rocks, I guess they were. 
one for the Lord and one for the other two, Moses and Elijah, I think. And before he got done speaking, the voice of God came from heaven and said, this is my son, listen to him. In other words, do not include these two other men in this context. And I, you know, that to me, that's really, that's really instructional. I'll put it that way. Uh, they were terrified because I think they understood you cannot put anything alongside the Son of God when it comes to this sort of thing. You just can't do it. If you do, you've taken away from that, and that is an affront to God, which we will not survive being uh, out of good, um, good with, uh, with bad conduct towards God in this light. Because the idea of how can we worship one that we are thinking there's maybe a t- couple of other men that are just as good. That's what the Mormon faith is built on. That, <laughs> that well, It's very confusing, but certainly... Uh, Joseph Smith, his last sermon, within it he said that he had done more for men than Jesus Christ. And he believed it. That's the sad part of it all. Of course, in his, uh, in his mind, limited as it was, he, I'm, he came to this. It was an error, but silly. it was silly that he'd say it. So this is the thinking. Is it possible to be that far off? Yes, it is. All right. But even though this was done in error, immaturity, they needed to be tuned up a little. When this letter came, when this letter was read in their presence, when it came into their hands, these mistakes needed never, never stand In other words, this was going to be corrected. These things were not going to be said any longer, and it wasn't going to happen again. And the reason would have been, I'm sure, very well explained by those that were not taking this stand. If we think about it a little while, we come to the idea, this this sort of thinking, even though it might have been well-intentioned, a lot of things are well-intentioned when they start, but they have a life of their own, and it really goes awry. Um, needed to be taken care of, and I'm glad he did it first. But, you know, the order of things that we see in the Scripture, I think, are very important. I've never, I don't think it's random. You know, he didn't make an outline, and he just put this one first. No, no, this was very important to him. So that's where we'll let off today uh, and pick up verse 17 the next time we open our scriptures and uh, consider the letter to the assembly in Corinth. And I hope these things, just consider what was, what was said and what was done and make sure, because even today, we've got folks that are calling on Christ as their Savior and yet they're following men and women around as though they were their source, as though they were their mediators to God. 
And whenever they put that person in that spot, they've created an, an incredible obstacle to their own salvation. I think that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to avoid here and that we should avoid. Those would be my comments today. I hope they are helpful and useful in our studies and our life. Alex, we have our song of invitation today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.